Welcome to GrammyCast, the podcast for empty nesters with larger-than-life ambitions. I'm Linda Kennedy, your host. I'm studying journalism at Harvard, but most importantly, I'm a grandmother. So join me as we explore how to inspire the next generation. Hello, Grammys and everyone. Welcome to GrammyCast with Linda. In episode two, we heard some different views about how Utah school districts are planning to bring teachers and students back to schools next month. Some teachers, though, and the Utah Teachers Association are saying it's just too much, too soon, and they want the governor to keep classrooms entirely online this fall. Other teachers are saying they're up for it. The keeping school online would rob some students of the stability being at school provides. So does all the stress over COVID-19 make physically returning to school worth it? What about those students who rely on school for their special needs? Today, I have Jason Basinger here. He's a school psychologist in several Salt Lake schools. He doesn't speak for the Utah Education Association or Salt Lake City School District, but he shares the mental health factor associated with this decision. Welcome, Jason. Yeah, glad to be here. First, what about the mental health component of all of this with teachers going back to school? Do you know if anyone is putting anything before the governor and state representatives about the mental health components surrounding teachers being afraid about going back to school? I don't know specifically what or if there is anything being put before the governor at the moment, but I do know that it's a continuing concern throughout the state uh, that we are continuing to want to have more mental health supports in the schools. So I think, you know, we have to acknowledge that this is an ongoing concern, not just COVID-19 related. But yes, I I think that mental health is is an ongoing issue. And, And at the same time, I don't know anything specific that the governor has. Okay, good. Let's talk about the psychological ramifications of fear. For adults and children related to COVID-19 in terms of having to return to school. I mean, we have teachers up at the state capitol who are saying it would be easier to take a bullet for their students than deal with COVID-19, you know? So, (laughs) wow. I know, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so you talk about the psychological ramifications uh, of fear, you know, certainly that does make it harder to learn when there's a, a fear-based environment. Um, so that's something that should be considered when going back to school. I, I will fully acknowledge that, you know, I think there's a lot of very smart people in schools, uh, in leadership roles, and and I don't have a perfect answer for how going back to school should look like, but I think that um, but I think it, it's a delicate issue and mental health is certainly part of it. Um, you know, it, it not only affects mental health though, but, you know, having this much stress in the environment or, or fear, you know, really it'll start to affect other things as well. It'll affect not just, you know, anxiety or emotions, but actually, you know, affect physical health. It can affect learning, uh, you know, being able to learn in an environment like this will probably be uh, something that 
we're not entirely sure how it will affect children. So I think, I think it's certainly going to affect a lot of things. Mm. Well, with the normal apprehensions already associated with going back to school, most kids get nervous, parents get nervous, teachers get nervous. Now with COVID-19 too, is it just too much to expect for some teachers and children's, children to do this? Or is it, is it worse to also, you know, what is, what's the poison for them to pick? Is it also just as bad for kids to be cooped up at home with their parents teaching them? Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, that, that's a really good question. And I think that it's, there's, there's not like a one size fits all answer, because also, I think, you know, I'll acknowledge that every city or every district probably has had a different experience with COVID-19. Uh, some people might have had this affect their family so much that to them, it's obvious why, you know, it's, maybe a, a, you know, a dangerous to go back to school um, with this situation, but others might have not experienced it and might not fully understand uh, why or why not, you know, why, there, why there's even talk about not going back to school. Um, you know, talking about trauma and, you know, one of the things that we've discussed with trauma team that we've, we've done trainings with teachers on this, uh, but how there are, you know, adverse childhood experiences that do affect children long term. And, and so it does matter about the home environment. Uh, you know, some of these things, you know, are, you know, household challenges. And, you know, if there are, you know, adverse childhood experiences that, you know, maybe it's, you know, uh, whether it's like substance abuse in the home or whether it's uh, mental illness or divorce or, you know, other things affecting the, the home life, you know, that can have a stressful, uh, you know, that, that can be stressful on a child and make it hard for them to deal with future challenges or future stresses. And it can also affect their physical and mental health. So, so I, I kind of think about how like, just in general, there's a lot of things that can affect the home environment. And for COVID-19, that in some ways may have affected certain families more than others. We may have had loss of job. Uh, there, obviously, some families might uh, have close living quarters and it might be more stressful than others to stay at home. And, and so in some ways, that home environment can maybe uh, not be helpful and cause more harm for a child to stay in that environment, you know, 24 hours a day indefinitely. Um, in some of these homes, school might be an escape. It might be a place where they consider it a safe place. And, and if they don't have that, it might make it maybe potentially dangerous for them to stay there. Now, with that said, there are many homes where there is a very safe, loving environment, and you know there has not been as much financial uh, problems, and maybe the family has not uh, had to change their life as much because of COVID-19. And in those cases, you might see children not as affected by this, and you know when it comes to stress, fear, or anxiety. 
And so it, I think, is going to affect every family or every child a little bit different. But I think going back to school, it kind of, ha you have to consider the, even the school or, or the area where those children live about whether it's right uh, or how can the school uh, best support those children in a mental health aspect. I see. Well, it definitely sounds like this is just not a cut and dry, black and white, um, one way or the other is best type situation, correct? Would you agree with that? I, I would agree with that. You know, I think, of course, it would be very nice if there was uh, something that showed us how we can help everyone deal with this and it was a uh, one size fits all. That, of course, is great, um, but I think that this is a situation where my experience, you know, is not the same as your experience or not the same as others. And, and some people might be uh, going through very hard times, and I don't want to take away from that, but some people might have, might have had, you know, in some ways, uh, they looked at this experience and, and their, their children are kind of like, yeah, dad's home more often, mom's home more often, but, you know, and I haven't been able to go to school, but aside from that, maybe they still have friends nearby that they get to play with, maybe they haven't been as emotionally affected. And it is kind of like a, a personal thing about how people are being affected by it. Oh, yeah. Um, that leads me back to, you know, what you were mentioning about adverse child experiences. I think you were telling me earlier when we had a chance to visit this, something called ACEs. So my, you know, question for you is, is COVID-19 has been kind of something that has taken most people um, aside in one way or another. So, you know, with trauma, is, is everybody going to be affected on some level from a tra traumatic standpoint of view in terms of like teachers and students? I mean, is there a certain amount of fear that just automatically comes with COVID-19? Yeah, yeah there, there, there is a certain amount of fear that comes with it. And, and yeah, it kind of what it is, is that, is that, of course, this has been stressful to everyone. You know, I don't want to say, oh, so, some people think this isn't stressful, uh, but it does matter about, um, you know, so we talk about ACEs, you know, there's these traumatic childhood experiences uh, that someone can experience. And, and COVID-19 obviously uh, is new, so it's not like it's been researched in that same way. But I think we could still say it's a traumatic ad childhood experience or traumatic experience for adults even. But um, the, the key difference is the resilience factors that people have already. You know, if you have some people that already have a great social network, they have, you know, they have a supportive environment, uh, you know, if they have, you know, uh, good health, um, you know, there's certain things that will probably act more like buffers. Uh, so that way it doesn't affect them. Even if it's stressful, it doesn't turn into toxic stress or, or stress that really affects them in multiple ways, the way that, you know, adverse childhood experiences are in some cases. Um, no, not every single stressful event, you know, means that it will cause trauma 
or or cause you know a lasting impact but it can uh, for some people if there's not those resilience factors in place and if especially if they've already experienced trauma in some way as you were mentioning such as with divorce or economics uh problems and things like that so let's talk more about those buffers what can teachers and families do to avoid adverse childhood experiences down the road um, from this whole situation as well as trauma you know teachers and stressors is it too late to put some of those buffers in place or can we can we get some of those going right now yeah well that's that's a really good question and yeah i think you know i'll answer it two different ways because really you know i guess i work in school settings and so i could certainly say yeah like you have to ask yourself as as a school like okay how can we best help how can we make this easier in a way um even if kids aren't in school how can we support them and then the other way is you know, at home, you know, what can parents do in this situation that would make this easier? And with with schools, um, you know, that's that that might be in some situations, schools, you know, they might say, okay, um, we have a high-risk population and these, th these uh, families may not have access, you know, to as much uh, you know, they, maybe they can't buy as much food, maybe they can't access uh, certain healthcare things. And then the school might say, how can we help provide that for them? Uh, whether that's through a local food bank or through being able to provide, uh, you, know, you know, different options for healthcare in the school, uh, those things might be helpful um, to help support those families. Um, a lot of times with you know, you also think about schools being a community and community is a very important resilience factor that you have to, it's not just, you know, where your kids go to school each day, but do you, you know, that school also has, has uh, oftentimes events. They have, you know, uh, events in the evening. They, you know, they get to see friends, there are sports associated with it. And so the school can also say, okay, how can we help uh, continue this sense of community, even if physically we don't have people there at school. And so that's an important resilience factor is community. Um, at home, people, you know, parents, uh, in some, now some of this might be limited, but right now parents, uh, you know, are spending more time with their kids, uh, for better or worse. Uh, they're spending more time with their kids. And this is a really good opportunity for parents to teach their, their kids uh, ways that their, their children can deal with stress. You know, whether that's exercising with them, creating a hobby with them, doing something that is kind of more productive. And that can be something that kind of creates a, you know, more productive relationship. Um, of course, there's gonna be other stressors in some situations. That could be uh, financial. Uh, it could be you know, maybe there's uh, in some ways neglect or abuse happening at home, and that's hard. But in those situations, uh, that's not really what we're talking about. Is what we can control. Uh, we're talking more about trying to say what can we do in this situation to make things better, and that would be maybe for parents to 
use this time, the increased time with their kids uh, to help them, you know, grow emotionally and be able to connect with that. Yeah, that, that, those sound like really, really uh, great ideas. Um, help me help our audience understand, if you will, what is the difference between fear, panic, straight, you know, you've mentioned a lot of words here, anxiety, stress, are they all the same? Are they all related? Or are they all kind of um, just the same thing? One thing? Yeah, you know, well, I guess, yeah, that's a really good question. And, and, you know, anxiety is a clinical term um, that or at least anxiety disorder is a clinical term that is used in psychology. And so certainly anxiety is, is oftentimes thought of as being uh, a higher level of, of stress uh, than, than maybe other things. Uh, but of course, you know, there are also emotions, kind of just common human emotions that we just need to be able to uh, in some ways acknowledge that that is, is normal. It, in some ways, uh, a certain level of anxiety is is common in humans. Uh, we do feel anxious at times. And, and that anxiety in some ways, it oftentimes is helpful um, because as long as it's, it's a low level of anxiety that can help us uh, deal with things or help us know when we should be more worried or avoid certain things to keep ourselves safe. So a low level of anxiety or fear is in some ways a, a common human emotion. And I think we just need to also, you know, kind of think about it in that way that all anxiety is not bad. We are going to experience some anxiety and that's okay. But a high level anxiety is more associated with disorders or kind of a longer lasting effect. Um, you know, same sort of thing for, for other words as well. I heard you say panic as one. And, you know, again, you know, there is a panic disorder, um, which is associated with almost, you know, having physical sensations uh, that where you might think that you are having serious, uh, a serious medical problem. Uh, like a heart attack, and and panic disorders can be uh, kind of you know can can be clinically uh, significant, uh, can be kind of scary in that way. But having a panic again, you could also have like a low level of panic that is more associated with fear, in it, uh, and, and it might just be in some ways a, a knee jerk reaction to something. Okay. Yeah, because um, there's, you know, different, from my observations, different levels of, of uh, ideas and fears around COVID-19 that um, you have a mask, you're okay. You have a mask, it's not enough. Um, how, can, how can teachers and families, you know, work through these different levels and, and how can two teachers you know, are, are they going to be validated with authorities over, over their concerns? Or is it gonna, how is it going to come across with their fear, um, it, you know, with legislatures and decision makers that this is real and valid versus something emotional? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be important that teachers, you know, since you mentioned how will, how will teachers feel in this situation, I, I think that teachers need to feel like they have a voice. Mm-hmm. And that can happen in a few different ways. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the same way for everyone. But, but teachers oftentimes, you know, they, they may feel like someone doesn't hear their concern or doesn't uh, value them in the way that they value themselves. And so whether it's a principal uh, that is, is sticking up for them, uh, that allows them to, uh, you know, to express how they're feeling in a safe way, or whether that is, you know, a, a superintendent. You know, it's it's going to be important that teachers feel heard, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that that what the district is doing is needs to change. It just may mean that teachers need to be part of that decision process or, or feel like um, their opinions are, are heard by someone who is making those decisions. Well, and, and that leads me to, to my, next, uh, my next question. All of the district reopening plans are coming to the State Board of Education this week. Deadline is end of the week. And as the State Board looks over and helps the districts modify these plans and, and set final plans in place, what do teachers do if they don't like those plans and they have to go back though, they have to go into the classroom, what can they do uh, over the next month to mentally prepare and cope and uh, get in the frame of mind they need to, to be in to teach these students, even if, even if they're afraid and they're, they don't like the plans? Yeah, yeah. I guess when you say the plans, you're talking about the the plan that their school has for going back to work. Correct. correct? The reopening plans, because the districts all, I guess, will have different reopening plans according to uh, their own city uh, levels of of the of the COVID nineteen virus. Uh, for instance, in Southern Utah, some of the some of the counties are in a green phase where they're kind of back to a new normal, everything's open, and the state board yesterday was saying those plans may look different than Salt Lake City School District plans where it's still in a moderate risk level or an orange level uh, where COVID is more, more, COVID outbreaks are more frequent. Yeah, I mean, this is a, this is definitely a hot topic, you know, in Salt Lake City School District where I work because you know, for good reason, there are a lot of teachers concerned about going back, uh, going back too quickly. Um, you know, we want to make sure that kids are educated. And I do think it's, uh, that's a very important thing that kids are educated. Um, and in some ways, that doesn't happen when kids aren't in school for certain kids. So I think that's important. But I think teachers, of course, you know, are concerned about their own health, their own safety. We have some teachers that, you know, are higher risk for whatever reason. Um, so they have good reason to, to be worried about, you know, okay, how am I, how do I fit into this? Am I going to be safe going back to work? And, and so, again, it's, it's uh, not necessarily one size fits all about how do teachers get, you know, how did they get on board or 
or how do they have their voices heard in this situation? I think they're, what I would say though is in general, you know, for, for teachers um, that, you know, that, that are worried that, you know, they, they have good reason to be worried, but they're not necessarily an at-risk group uh, where they don't have pre-existing health conditions, you know, whatever the matter. If that is the teacher that's worried about going back, um, I do think it's, it's a good idea to kind of almost do a, you know, a, an assessment of their, of their own fears and kind of say, okay, how, how likely are these fears? You know, and they might kind of say, you, in, a, in almost like writing down, like, this is what I'm afraid of. This is what I'm worried about. And then you almost kind of do an analysis of that, just kind of a self-assessment of, okay, how likely is that to happen? And I think a lot of times um, we might be really, uh, we might realize that our fears are actually not as likely as we think they are. Um, and so we might be worried about, okay, I might be worried, you know, worst case scenario, I get sick, I bring that sickness home, my kids get sick, um, even though we're doing everything that we can with masks and hand sanitizing and you know plexiglass, what, what, all the protocols, um, that might still result in my kids getting sick. You know? And then if I were to kind of go through that, again, you know, just I might say, okay, but in that situation, how likely is that? you know, can I control this situation? You know, um, what if I wear a mask? What if I hand sanitize? What if I, you know, at what level do I feel comfortable? And, and for me, that is a personal decision about what I would do. Uh, so I don't want to say what other people should be doing or, 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 you know, the best way for them to handle it. But I think that, yeah, like some people might, look at that situation and say, you know what, I, I think I can control my risk factors enough that I feel okay uh, going back to work with the protocols set in place. Whereas other people might look at that and say, you know what, it's too risky. I, I can't. Um, but I know for myself, I've, I've kind of done that myself and I should kind of preface this and say, I'm actually currently doing some uh, testing with kids each day um, which is a one-on-one -on -one situation for me. Mm. So my situation is a little bit different where I can do one-on-one -on -one testing with the kid, wear a face mask, face shield, you know, have hand sanitizer at the ready, you know, make sure they're wearing a face mask, do social distancing of six feet. You know, all of this is kind of how I look at my own situation and say, I think with my situation, I can control my risk factors enough that I feel okay with, I feel okay enough with the situation that I can still do um, some things to support kids and help them out in this situation. Great. That's great advice yeah. for teachers. Any parting thoughts that you have um, for teachers and parents, including teachers who are parents as well? Um, they have you know, double concerns about being in the classroom and what's happening to their kids as well in the classroom. What would be the most important takeaway for teachers at this point? I, yeah, I guess like my, my thought, I guess maybe a parting thought would be that 
we have good reason to be worried in, in this situation, so we can't minimize that. But there is a certain amount of fear that comes with avoiding it altogether. Um, that when we avoid, you know, when, we, when we're worried about something, we keep avoiding it, keep avoiding it. In some ways, we are just reinforcing just the avoidance of it. And, and so in some ways, um, in some ways, if we were able to um, find a safe way to kind of dip our toe in, slowly, you know, be able to go back to work or slowly uh, kind of get used to the protocols in place and also get your kids used to that as well. Get your kids used to wearing face masks and things like that and washing their hands then that will slowly over time help you feel more comfortable with it. Uh, because, you know, one thing that we as humans do is, is that we uh, will habituate to things. Uh, you know, that, that's a, a, a term that I use uh, because there's a lot of research about it. But habituating is just another way. So we get used to things. We get used to certain things that we experience. And the more that we do it, the easier it is to, um, to, to kind of engage in that activity. So, so the more that we kind of practice these protocols or the more that we um, kind of practice getting back to work or practicing uh, you know, safety uh, measures will help us feel more comfortable with it and will probably reduce a lot of the fear and anxiety. Sounds like an adaptation to me, adapting humans, what I've heard have greatest ability to do that. <laughs> That's a great point. Yeah, certainly. I think, you know, you kind of think about adapting and, and I think there is a certain action that has to come with that, that of course, you know, we kind of wish it would just happen all at once that we could just, you know, with one shot kind of adapt. But in, in a lot of cases, uh, we have to do it a little bit at a time, do what we're comfortable with, do a little bit more, and and we adapt we get more comfortable with that and while we should still be vigilant with with all these safety protocols we will feel more safe and we'll we will have less fear associated with it with school just starting in 30 days though is there time to edge into some of these things or are you referring to recognizing when school starts that it's just going to be a little bit of a learning curve for the first few weeks as, as that adaptation takes place. Well, I think that that's, that's uh, definitely going to be a learning curve uh, the first, you know, month of school back. Um, so, so I think, I think a little bit, I think both, I think there will be a learning curve. I think you're going to have a lot of kids uh, coming back to school and having more anxiety than we ever thought they would have, um, you know, or honestly, we, we might even have kids if it's over Zoom. Uh, you might have kids uh, over Zoom acting out more often, uh, doing things that they wouldn't have done before because they're feeling anxious, they're feeling fearful in some way. So I think there's gonna be a learning curve getting back to whatever school is. But I, yeah, I think that you know, prior to that, I think that that's another thing that teachers and parents can do is help their kids practice these things, uh, practice wearing a face mask, 
practice hand sanitizing, even if they're doing it at home, that can help their kid feel more comfortable with the situation. Yeah. Well, you're on the trauma team uh, with the Salt Lake, uh, Utah, I'm sorry, Utah Education Association. Are there resources then for teachers and parents to call the UEA, talk with your team? You know, uh, this trauma team, are you available? Are you, are extra psychologists being put in place to deal with some of the things that you're talking about here? And how can teachers access those resources? Yeah, so at this point, the trauma team has been doing uh, trainings. We have ongoing trainings uh, throughout the summer even, uh, where we've been doing trainings with teachers about how to deal with this, uh, whether it is uh, dealing with, you know, you know, how do you deal with the hybrid uh, classroom where you're doing stuff over, you know, Zoom, but you're also having some kids in class. Like, you know, um, how do you deal with ACEs, uh, you know, that you might see in this situation? Um, you know, we're trying to teach teachers how to deal with it. And so a lot of it, that's what we've been doing right now and focusing on. And, and I think obviously uh, it would be really great to provide resources uh, to parents. But what I would also recommend, this is another great resource, is just the Utah PTA. And I know that through working with the PTA uh, in the past is that the PTA has a lot of resources. They have uh, some uh, mental health anxiety toolkits for, uh, for parents. And that is, uh, that's something that can help out. Great. Well, that's, that's just, that, that's hopeful advice. And I really hope that parents and grandparents and teachers who are listening to this will, will take advantage of these resources. I really appreciate you joining me today, Jason. And I yeah. wish you and the trauma team and uh, all of the educators, Utah educators, the best of luck this coming year. That wraps up our visit today with Jason Basinger and how teachers and families can cope with their decisions about returning to school. Please contact your local representatives if you have concerns about going back to the classroom this year. It's not too late to voice your concerns or be a relief to teachers and families who need it, as Jason pointed out. And the Utah PTA, they're there for you as well. So, Good luck this coming school year, and please leave a message about the insights you gained from this podcast. And in the meantime, be healthy and be hopeful. Thank you. Now I can't stop the video. How do we stop the video?